G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Merch, producer and host, and thanks for joining us. Let's head into our feature guest for today. Angie Glasscock is an artist born in Memphis, raised between LA and Nashville, and now lives in Brooklyn, who performs as Moonshine. With a debut album, The Land In Between, that has been described as an autobiographical roadmap, with fellow musicians joining them on the journey. Included on the record is the first song they ever wrote, called I Tried To Keep On Loving You, through to the latest single released, Exile Of Youth. Angie joined John on the line from New York for this chat. Angie, welcome to Radio Notes and congratulations on the brand new album from you released back last month on the 11th of November. Do you have any beliefs in numerology or more importantly, why the 11th of November for this record to be released? Well, I do have a fascination with numbers for for some strange reason. The numbers just have meaning for me. It's sort of like when you're young, and you walk along the sidewalk and you don't want to step on cracks. You know what I mean? It's like you don't you don't know where that sort of thing comes from. But like there is some sort of innate sense of uh, numbers having meaning for me. And uh, I'm not like, you know, taking things to any degree. Like I wouldn't say like I'm into numerology. No. But I do feel like numbers have significance for me. It was about 10 years ago, back in 2012, that you first picked up the guitar. What was happening in 2012 for you to want to pick up the guitar? My son was, uh, my son's 24 now, but my son then had gotten to a place where he didn't need me so much. You know, he was in middle school. And so I was wanting to do something more for myself in the years and there were several years leading up to that point where I had gotten very involved going out to see music in the city really just very much loved to go see music live music and several places that I particularly love to go in the city and bands that I particularly like to see but I never really thought about being a musician myself and then a friend of mine suggested that I learn an instrument. I thought, well, maybe I, maybe I will. And so I started with ukulele. And then I started dating a guy who's very knowledgeable about music. He had a blog post for a long time. And he has a lot of friends who are musicians. And he turned me on to a lot of musicians. For him, like the ukulele was very cool. <laughs> so... He's the one who really encouraged me to play the guitar. And so through him, I sort of realized, like, well, maybe it wasn't so hard. You know, maybe I could do it. Was that same person the inspiration for some of these songs? Is this the person you made the promise to? No, he has not inspired any songs, only because our relationship was coming to an end when I started writing songs. Right. We're still friends. His son, my stepson, played at my recent gig on saxophone. He just recently graduated from CalArts studying sax. It sort of feels like family still, but no, he hasn't. Who were those musicians you were seeing live and where was this location? There's a bar in Red Hook. It's a neighborhood in Brooklyn, which is along the waterfront. 
And it used to be Longshoreman area, and there's this great bar called Sunny's there, and it's very old. It's been there forever, and it's just such a warm, welcoming place. I love to go out to see music on my own. So every time I go there, I, I always make friends, and everybody dances, and it's just so fun. And so this regular band that I would go see is called Smokey's Roundup. Smokey Hormel, who's a guitarist, who's played with uh, tons of musicians. I mean, pretty much everybody. He has a regular Wednesday night thing there. And he has a fiddle player who plays with him. And that's Charlie Burnham. And Charlie is the one who ended up doing the duet with me. So if you'd have told me when I first started seeing them perform that I would someday be performing with Charlie myself, one of my own songs, I would have said, no way, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Angie, this is the power of music, though, isn't it? And I, I must commend you as a fellow solo outer of live music. That's how the, not the music industry, but how the musicians live. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I guess, I've, I guess I'm a bit of a loner. And I just found, like, sometimes I would go out to see music with women and then it was like they were just they could just be so annoying like they wanted to leave early or they they got to stick with you like glue you know <laughs> I'm just there for the music you know maybe to dance and have a good time and I just don't want to be responsible for someone else's good time another band that I saw a lot that I loved to go see was a band called Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout and that was the band of a bass player, Tim Lunsell. And he's no longer with us, but he was a great bass player. I got turned on to him because he used to play with Smokey Hormel and that band. And so they played at this jazz bar, which just recently closed, called the 55 Bar. And there was a sax player who used to perform with them sometimes, Michael Blake. He's a great sax player. And he ended up recording on, on my record. And uh, anyway, so that's kind of how it started. You know, like I responded to this like biological calling to be a mother. But then once like that job was sort of over, you know, I mean, like it's never over, but you know what I mean? Like it was, I just wanted to sort of like focus on myself. And I think that's really just why things came about the way they did you know like I didn't really when I was young I loved music and I loved to sing but I just I didn't have the confidence then you know to to pursue something in music like I found later. Let's talk about the personnel on this record. I was looking for a producer and I I asked Michael Blake if he could recommend someone because I had seen him not long before I was getting to that point where I needed to find someone. And we had talked about music and I mentioned that I was going to be recording soon. And so he gave me several names. And then when I checked the people out, Teddy Kumpel, who I chose, just resonated with me the most. We just hit it off famously from the beginning. Um, we started working together in June of 2020. I'm sorry, that's 2021. Yeah, we started working together in 2021. And the first time we worked together, um, I had a song that I had never made a chart for. Like, I don't know, I just, I had the lyrics, I had the 
melody. I just couldn't put it down on paper. It just was sort of beyond me. <laughs> and so we worked on that song and that ended up being a co-write and we fleshed it out. Teddy came up with a chorus, uh, which I think really improved the song. And so that song is called uh, Wrong Hands, which is one of the music videos I ended up doing. After we met in person that one time, we just started working on Zoom and doing demos. And so we did several months of working up the songs on demos. And then in October of last year, we went into the studio and recorded. And so Teddy plays guitar and then Cat Popper on bass. And, you know, I had seen her play years before. There was like a kind of secret show at my friend's bar, Pete's Gang Store, which is where I just uh, performed recently. And so I had seen her play. I really wanted to have another woman in the band. I didn't want to, you know, I really, you know, I didn't, she's a great bass player. It wasn't just because I I wanted her because she's a woman, but, you know, I just really wanted her and it worked out that she was able to be there. Also, we had uh, on drums, Steve Williams. Now, where has Steve Williams come from? Sounds like you have like an index book of musicians handy there, Angie. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about living in New York City. You do have access to so many great musicians, you know. I didn't know Steve before we went into the studio, but Teddy uh, recommended him. He had played on uh, Annie Keating's album, And I really liked her music and Teddy has produced for her as well. Yeah, he's great. You know, he's played with a lot of great people. And then Todd Codwell on keyboards, and he's an amazing player. He's recently toured with Stephen Stills. And then, of course, Charlie on fiddle and Charlie sings the duet with me. In overdubs, Michael Blake on saxophone. And then we had a trumpet player, Bruce Harris. Also, though, you know, I had the first time I recorded a song was in 2016 with musician Mark Spencer. And we worked together for a while and we recorded several songs together. And he's a great musician, guitarist. He did pedal steel on three of the songs on the record. Song I Tried to Keep on Loving You, that was the first song I ever wrote. I wrote that in 2015. We went, we went and recorded it in 2016 had a friend who was a great drummer, Don Heffington. He died a couple of years ago. Well, not quite a couple of years ago, but almost. But at the time, Mark and I had recorded it. He did all of the instrumentation and I sang, but we needed a drummer. We sort of like decided after we did the recording that we needed a better drummer than what Mark could do. So Don lived in LA, but Don happened to be coming to town. And so... He was able to go into this to Mark's studio and to do the drum track. And so when we went into the studio last year, I told Teddy, you know, I really want to keep the drum track, especially because Don did it. And so we sort of kept everything uh, that we had recorded with Mark, except we added the bass of Cat Popper and I did a new vocal. So that's a kind of anomaly, that song within the album. And that's the song I tried to keep on loving you? Yes. My understanding is 2015 was your first song you wrote. Was that your first song? Yes, that was my first song. The latest single is Exile of Youth. Do you mind talking us through Exile of Youth? My father died in 2018. And um, I had written 
a song about my mother already. I had written a song about my mother called Somewhere in the Mountains. And so I wanted to write a song about my father. And I hadn't, had not been very close to my father growing up because he lived in Nashville and I was most of the time in Los Angeles with my mother, though we did go back and forth um, a lot. So after he died, I, I realized how, how much alike I was how much I shared with my father that I just really wasn't aware of until after he had passed. And so when I thought about what I wanted to write, I thought it has to be about Texas because my father was just all about Texas. That's where he was from originally. And when he was about eight, he had been living on a farm, uh, not a farm, a ranch rather, in the hill country of Texas. When his brother was born, my dad was sent to live with his grandparents in Tennessee while my uncle stayed with uh, my grandparents. And so that really created this sense of abandonment and longing to return home that my, my father always, it just always sort of haunted my father. And so I wanted to write about that. I wanted to write that story. So that's basically what the story is. Angie, I'm trying to get a sense of where your home is because the understanding and how the bio goes is you were born in Memphis, raised between L.A. and Nashville, as you're referring to just there. But now you're living in a place called Brooklyn, New York, which is from where I am down here in Australia, like so far away from what I imagine Memphis to be. Yeah, it's funny because I grew up in L.A., which is, I guess you could say, a large city, but it's not really a city it's just more like a big suburban sprawl and so I grew up in the valley San Fernando Valley I had gone to college in San Diego and I loved the ocean and swimming and that sort of thing but I realized I was attracted to cities and I dropped out of college in my third year just didn't know what I wanted to do with myself you know and I moved downtown San Diego and nobody lived downtown in San Diego. <laughs> but like, for some reason, it just was very attractive to me to live in downtown. And I lived in this old hotel that was like an SRO hotel. And this uh, guy who was managing the place wanted to make it an artist colony. And it was called Greenwich Village West. And so there I met a guy who I immediately fell in love with, love of her sight, you know, and that's who I wrote the song about, I Tried to Keep on Loving You. And then together we moved to San Francisco. I was in San Francisco for a couple of years. Um, and then I left San Francisco to come to New York. So it was sort of like this progression of like bigger and bigger cities. And then once I came to New York, and it really only came on a whim. I never had any desire to live in New York City or thoughts of being here, but... Once I was here, I was like, oh, my God, this is the place, you know. And so I arrived in 1987. It was uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, 1987. And the energy of the place was just palpable. I just never wanted to leave. I'm kind of like now at a different place where I'm feeling like maybe my time here is winding down, but I have no idea where I might go next. But an interesting thing that I realized after living in New York for a long time is that I'd always been exposed to New York in a very intimate way because my mother's boyfriend when I was growing up was Frank Allegro and he used to be a taxi driver he was from Flatbush Brooklyn 
And he was like this, you know, Italian-American, very handsome guy. He looked like Mannix. I don't know if you know that show. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, he just had this funny accent to me. And I really loved him. He was a great guy. So I guess I always had a, a Brooklyn influence without being cognizant of it. You said something called an SRO. Stands for single room occupancy. Yeah, it's kind of like a lot of people who like receive like social security benefits, SSI benefits, live in single room occupancy hotels because it's kind of like what, what they can afford. And so they're, you basically rent a room, the bathroom's down the hall. It was very brief that I lived there because almost immediately, you know, we decided we wanted to leave. <laughs> but anyway, um, I paid $100 for a room. There were some residents there that were on SSI and, you know, because of mental health issues. And it was an interesting place to live. SSI means Supplementary Security Income. It's part of the American Social Security Act. 1987, you said you were there. As we said, 2012 is when you picked up the guitar. 2015, the first song, and now seven years on, the debut album comes out. Do you see life in particular cycles? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, like, I think a lot about the first time I wrote a song was uh, the fall of 2015, and seven years later, now it's all sort of coming to fruition, you know? I feel like... That's sort of like, you know, relationships, like seven years is a very kind of like telling sort of number. Like if you can make it past that seven years and you'll probably stay together. But um, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of luck with relationships thus far. But, you know, it makes for good songwriting. (laughs) Cycles brings us to tides, which brings us to moons that shine over the land. Talking about a moon over a beach more than the moonshine that you drink? Or is that be left to the imagination? Oh, well, you know, my last name, a difficult last name for a lot of people, Glasscock, especially in the South, people do not like saying the word cock. It is a bad word. Because my music hasn't very much of a country influence, I felt that I should choose a band name. I love the idea of the music being produced by a band you know it's not just me that makes music it's a whole group of musicians moonshine has that attraction of being you know association with country and also you know like i i have those roots in the south like my mother grew up in north carolina i remember going as a young teenager to visit and my uncle had moonshine around the house and so it's just you know it's that kind of association but I like the idea of moon being a female symbol and, you know, there's this association of like women shining. We're in conversation with Angie Glasscock, who is Moonshine. That moniker or the band name, it's more of a moniker for you and then the band comes along. It gives you a chance to choose a band to be with you. Now, I understand recently you had nine plus members joining you. We were talking about... Uh, numbers before and fascinations with numbers and actually for whatever reason nine is a very significant number for that album because nine original songs on the album nine potentially members you know performing the songs as a band have you been torn about where to live and you did mention a little bit about this 
you know, having grown up between two places, uh, and you know, in, in, in a divorced family, and then also thinking about my uh, my father's upbringing, he had a similar thing. You know, growing up between Tennessee and Texas, and now I live in the city most of the time, but I have a house upstate, and I bought a house upstate. It's about two hours north of the city. <laughs> because I couldn't afford the city, you know? And so I go back and forth between there and here. I'm just at the point where I'm just like, I wanna live in one place. I wanna make one place home, feeling for the first time that I wanna set down roots. Because I guess because of the nature of always traveling back and forth as a child, I've always been very, I'm always constantly changing where I live, you know, like I've lived in many, many apartments over the last years, you know, like if I have to think about all the addresses I've had, I can't possibly name them, you know, and, and for my son, I think that was a little bit traumatic even because he had like, I think we had seven different apartments in the course of the time that he grew up, but I don't know, people have difficulty with change, but I guess I'm sort of the opposite and like I'm always like seeking the change, you know, like like there's always a reason why I'm like changing apartments one place to another. It's not like random, but always the sense of like wanting change and, and, and movement, maybe wanting to still do that and maybe travel and hopefully tour wanting to have one home base, you know, like I'm, I'm tired of like this living in between. And so the land in between is definitely about growing up between these two places. And that's the title track of the song. How are you feeling about that idea that you're leaning into Americana as your chosen genre to work in and around? You've experienced a lot of blues. You've experienced a lot of jazz and country now. When I first decided to make an album, I thought I want to have one side country, one side blues. That was the original concept. And so the album actually has two covers. And so you can't really tell that on the website because it's only showing the one cover, but it sort of flips. Not Americana, but it's the two sides of what is known as Americana. Well, it's just that Americana is the umbrella it was so difficult when I was like, you know, uploading the music for distribution because the album is not just one thing. It's like one side's country, one side's rhythm and blues, but you have to make a choice. Americana is this very convenient choice that fits under, I would say, the first side of the uh, record, which is not going to be a vinyl album yet, but hopefully someday. The first side is the rhythm and blues side, and then the B side is the country side. What was the first record, I'm talking vinyl record, that you owned? I really couldn't tell you because I was never one to buy a lot of records when I was young. But I could tell you the music I really identified with when I was young was John Cash. He had a TV show and I was just so taken with him and his music and My mother used to play a lot of that kind of music around the house. I would say that that was an early influence. It sounds like you were growing up with the music that sort of has now. As we said, only 10 years ago, you taking up the guitar and started writing songs around a little bit later after that has now ended up on this record. Both your parents, 
in their separate ways were very influential on the music you're now making. Yeah, well, you know, my dad lived in Nashville, Music City. How is that seeping into you as a youngster? It was definitely a big thing, all the country music stars. And my my dad was an ear surgeon and he had several patients who were country music stars. A lot of the studio musicians, engineers would come to him for hearing loss. So yeah, so that was definitely a big thing. My father wasn't musical, but it was really my mother who was musical. My mother was a singer and she just loved to sing and dance. How important is this record in remembering them? Well, the, the album is dedicated to them. Songbird of Elephants about my mother, Exalvius is about my father. I think it's important to recognize where you come from and, and your ancestry. And so I've always been fascinated with that ever since I was young, you know, like putting together photo albums and being fascinated by old photos and that sort of thing. What was it like to walk into Atomic Sound? What kind of studio is it? What was the vibe for you as a somewhat new musician? Interestingly enough, it's in Red Hook. And so that's the same bar, Sunny's Bar, where I, would, where I go uh, to see music. And it used to be a firehouse. It was exciting to be in a studio for the first time. And when I recorded the album, that was the first time I sang with a band of musicians. So it was intimidating. It was a challenge, but it was also tremendous amount of fun. It's a great studio. I think right before I recorded there, Adele had recorded there, and so had uh, Lady Gaga. There's an interest in photography and film. What drew you to having this liking for photography and film? Well, you know, actually it started when I was in high school because I took a photography class in high school. And so that's when I developed an interest in photography and I never really took it very far in pursuit, but I always uh, loved taking photographs and loved film. When I first came to the city, there was a John Cassavetes film festival that really inspired me. And that sort of intimacy that he brings to film, you know, is really what I admire so much. A sense of intense nature in that work as well. Oh, yeah, very intense, very intense and very heavy. But also, like, one of his films, I don't know if you know, Minya Moskowitz, it's a kind of, like, goofy love story <laughs> with Jenna Rollins and Seymour Cassell. Yeah, that's one of my favorites, and that's uh, a much more lighthearted. And then, you know, they're all shot in L.A., or a lot of them were shot in L.A., and that also feels like home. If you were given a Holger for the day, where would you go and shoot? Manual camera, where yeah. would you go? Red Hook is obviously a place that I I love visually. That's the neighborhood I chose for the first video. What is Red Hook famous for? It's the kind of neighborhood that's very like sort of off the beaten path. You cannot get to it easily. There's a, a lot of public housing there. But then there's also a lot of sort of money that's come into the neighborhood. 
Tesla. There's a Tesla dealership in Red Hook. So that's kind of like, it's kind of mixed in that way. But there's just a lot of beautiful light. Like everywhere you look, the first video my friend Peter Mayer directed, he works in TV and film as a, a production designer. And so I asked him if he would direct the first one. And so he asked me to sort of scout it out and take some photos and try to come up with a storyboard. And so I went to Red Hook for the day. And it's just like everywhere you look, there's just a great shot because there's just so many interesting buildings and, and the light's so beautiful. It's right on the water. It's just a great neighborhood. How does that not, Angie, make you want that to be your home? How can you have itchy feet? Well, the thing is, is that I could never afford to live in Red Hook because it's too expensive. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if you were lucky enough to buy into that neighborhood when it was affordable, great. You know, that would be a great place to live. I think I'm ready to just, as I said, move on to the next place. And I don't know if that's going to be upstate because upstate has a lot of appeal, but I've been such a big city person for so much of my life now. I don't know if I could handle living in a small town because I like the anonymity of living in a city, you know? So we'll see. But I know that there's change coming. I'm just not sure what is ahead. What's a non-single album track you'd like to draw our attention to? Well, I have to say the song that I'm most proud of, um, I don't think I have a favorite song, but I say the one that I'm most proud of because I think it's the most original maybe is Ether of My Mind. And that's a song that is one of the most recent songs I've written. I sort of have a tendency to live in my head and in fantasy, <laughs> which I'm quite happy to just sort of like, you know, hum along with these thoughts in my head. But then there's always the moment when you just sort of like hit the wall of reality and then things can sort of crash around you. And so I wanted to sort of take something that I've been criticized for, that's been sort of a negative thing in my life, difficulty rather, and make it positive. And so in that song, I wanted to think about, I'm sort of like conjuring my next love. And so I'm sort of like in the moment and really appreciating the moment, but also looking towards the future and imagining what might be. So manifesting based upon who you are and what you can offer because you, you're just going to be you. You're not going to be anyone else. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, songs always sort of come to, come to me piecemeal. So the first part of that song ended up being the bridge. And that I wrote when I was in Greece. And there was a guy that I was thinking of that I was sort of having a little crush on. And so that's where the bridge came in. And then I sort of tried to build a song around that idea of sort of, like, looking at him in a photograph and sort of thinking and imagining and it just was not poetic like that first bit was, or the first bit felt anyway. Then I decided like I was actually uh, in Bermuda at the time. I had, was supposed to go with some some guy that I had been seeing. To, I was supposed to go with him. 
and this is when I first started working with Teddy and he, he and I broke up. And so I decided to go on my own. And so I went to Reunion on my own and it brought my guitar. So it was sort of like a working vacation. So like I went out to the water, to this spot that I particularly love where it's really nice for snorkeling. And I just sort of was like floating in the water and just sort of like letting myself sort of dream and float under the sun and, and be in the moment. And that's where, how I flushed out the rest of the song. What's the fascination with peaches? Peaches. Oh, peaches are just a euphemism. Oh, I thought they were. (laughs) When I'm speaking about peaches, I'm talking about an essence. I'm not, they're not any particular concrete thing. It's an essence. Right. right? So they don't have some kind of meaning. uh, It's not anything physical. It's really just like the essence. And actually that song is funny because the the events actually happened. There was a guy who I was interested in getting to know better. And I had recently moved to his neighborhood just by chance, not by design. But anyway, I have a peach tree upstate and I had this bumper crop of peaches one year. And so I left some peaches on his doorstep. And then I went back the next day and I realized that he left my peaches on his doorstep. And I thought, that's no way to treat my peaches. And so I took him back again. And then I walked over to this neighborhood store. Neighborhood stores are very big in the city. That's a real sense of community. A lot of people hang out. And, and there was a bunch of guys hanging out. And I realized one of them was my neighbor because I had seen him before. So I gave my peaches to these guys hanging out in the store. And they were very appreciative of the peaches. And so when I told Teddy that story, he was like, what? There really was peaches? <laughs> so it's just one of those weird coincidences that like an event inspired a song. One of my first jobs uh, when I lived in San Francisco as a young girl was selling flowers on the street in the Embarcadero. I have been a flower girl. I'm not saying you're a romantic, but you do seem to fantasize and idolize about that area of of the world and relationships. Did did it start when you were giving flowers? Oh no! I mean, I've always I've always been a big romantic. I mean, that's definite. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of women are always romanticizing about um, the man they're going to marry and the life they're going to build. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think I've gotten to a point, though, where I've realized, like, keep my feet on the ground and not let my head be too much in the clouds. (laughs) Because it's important to operate in the world in reality as well. Songwriting must be great, Angie, though, because you can write down those feelings, have a look back over them and go, okay. The nice thing about songwriting is that you get to take a painful experience make it into a song and so like you then you can't regret like okay maybe you think from the past like oh I've got to be I made such a fool of myself by wearing my heart in my sleeve and having some crush or just you know being silly and thinking whatever but then like it's all worth it in the end because it's like you've got a song about it it's like it just Like all of my songs are really about myself and all of the songs are just inspired by other people. 
but uh, all of the songs are really about me. Angie, Christmas, do you have fond memories of that time of the year? I do have fond memories of Christmas, mostly because my mother loved it so much. You know, like my mother grew up in the Depression and Christmas was like this thing that you look forward to all year, I imagine. Like there just wasn't a lot of money for frivolity, except for this one time of year, maybe when it was sort of loud and and so she was always blasting the Christmas music and decorating the tree. It was always a big thing. And I sort of did it in an obligatory way for my son. But I have a lot of negative connotations with Christmas, too, because it's not easy being a part of a step family. We would spend Christmas morning in L.A. And then we would, uh, we'd open our presents. We'd then get dressed and we'd go to the airport and then we would fly to Nashville and spend Christmas night with our dad. And so when we would get to Nashville, my dad had a new wife. My stepmother has two daughters. And so we were always sort of um, sort of like descending upon them because they were a family of four that were suddenly a family of eight with my brothers and sister and I. And so... You know, we all got along well enough, but it is not the same as your biological family. It's a, it's just a whole different thing. I celebrate Christmas, but I, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't feel a way about it. I don't feel like it's, like, it's such a special time. Recognize it, um, but I don't really like presents and, you know, like I find that all a bit awkward you know, you tell me what you want and I tell you what I want. And then we each get the thing for each other and then we present it under the tree. You know, it's like, I don't like that sort of forced gift giving. Like, I love to give people presents, but I kind of like to be inspired. Like, oh, this person would love this. I want to get them this thing. I like Thanksgiving more. Thanksgiving is more just about like getting together, having a good meal, less pressure. Angie, congratulations on your debut record. It's such a huge and fantastic achievement. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Angie Glasscock from Moonshine. Debut album, The Land In Between, is out now. Find them online at moonshine.band. Thanks very much to Angie of Moonshine for joining us today. Next time will be a wrap-up of Season 4 as we prepare to head into Season 5 in 2023. Radionotespodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 